Hey y'all, this is Joseph Byers, and I'm here to give you some updates and to talk about Graymore. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. It means a lot. Through Pinecast, I can see uh, who listens, and I see that a lot of you are, so it's really great to have that. And if you haven't already, go ahead and share us on your social media outlets. It'd be really awesome to see this podcast grow into something really, really big. And uh, that's what my hope is. And I can't do that without you, though. It's going to take some sharing and likes and comments. So if you could please like and share it on Facebook and Twitter, I would really appreciate it. Just type the hashtag GraymoreCast and it should come up. Also, if you have any questions or anything like that, shoot me an email at josrbyers at gmail.com and we'll get back to you shortly. So, without further ado, I'm going to introduce this week's episode. Graymore episode 1.5, Get in the Mind Shaft. The time was now, if I had the time. I sprinted up the path towards the road that divided the north and the south. The grit of the sand lingered on my boots and the air was without moisture. The staleness echoed in my lungs as I was running slowly out of breath. I passed puzzled patrons and students who were wondering why Campo was running instead of a golf cart. For that matter, what Campo was fit enough to run the whole boardwalk and not want to keel over and die. But, as always, I guess they're accepting admissions at Graymore. It was me. Lonely me. Lonely me against the terrors of the night, unbeknownst to the students and faculty of the halls. I decided to make it my mantle and my desire to protect them all. The dew began to rest on me, and the time check went by. I hit Nightshade Hall as my phone buzzed in my pocket. I quickly hit it to silence it, before entering the place of my nightmares. Not a single sound came from the place as I cracked the police tape around the door. It fell to the ground without a word, and then the dust spread out from it in various directions. Dead spiders and flies were pushed into the abyss of the room. The last apothecary, looming and sneering over me, was wondering what else to think of me. She had graffiti that wasn't there before. Toilet paper, specifically, was draped over her like a toga. I took a deep inhale through my nose, fearing the primordial senses rising up in my body. Here we go, I thought. It's another round in the game of life and death. I took another confident step in, looking around, and rushed down the stairs as quickly as I could. No noises made other than my strides echoed in the room. There's no way I made it before the doctor. There's absolutely no way. Brains, I found, tell you the absolute worst thing in the bleakest of times. Brains will also tell you the same dumb shit in the greatest of times. It's what you choose in those moments that sets your path. And for me, I decided that it wasn't going to be ignored, and I chose to drive on into the mineshaft. I hit the bottom of the stairs and saw the blood. I did the best I could to keep the vomit down as I stepped through the blood and continued in the direction of the wind. 
The wind, too, was stale, damp and full of mildew. The wind was coming from deeper in the mine shaft. I radioed into the base, signaling that I would be out of range of the communication. Checking my watch and noting the time, I figured I had exactly one hour to get Casey and get the hell out of this dangerous mine. A few steps into the right path, I noticed that it was getting brighter. I cringed slightly as my eyes were adjusting to the pool of light, growing more vibrant with each step. I looked around when I entered the cavern. In the cavern above, luminous mushrooms and artifacts lined the walls. Some gigantic and some small set in the craggy walls. They were flourishing. The mushrooms acted like thousands of lights at the concerts I love to go to, edging you on and wanting more. I took a few more steps into the cavern and let out a breath that was tense in my chest. The dampness seemed to affect it. Chains in the distance, tensed and shallow, deep breaths claiming the air. I started to trot in the location of the breathing, leading me to the center of the cavern. <laughs> Help! The chain slumped. And in the center, the altar. The altar in the farthest wall of the room was surrounded by openings in the walls with bars and locks. These locks seemed new, though the bars seemed ancient. Three of them were empty, and the rest held the victims that had gone missing in the recent days around Graymore. Casey? Casey, it's resin. Please, wake up and hear me. One of the dark cells sounded off with chains. Casey, it's no lie. Resin? I, I never thought I was going to see you again. Casey, what the hell happened? I I've got something to tell you, and you're, you're not going to like it. I stopped dead in my tracks. The, do the doctor isn't who you think he is. She said more calmly than I ever thought she would. Resin, it, it's me. I stepped back from her cage as the paper slipped between the bars. I picked it up and read shakily. I looked back at the cage and shook the lock. Casey came into the light, bloodied and battered. Her eyes were determined, but a little wild. I immediately grabbed my key ring and began to rustle through them, hoping to find the right one for the lock. She pointed behind me and I followed the finger into the ambient light. In the depths of the ceiling, tucked away, eyes closed, were the hollow eyes. They dreamt behind vibrating eyelids, fleeting back and forth. I opened my mouth in awe and fear, turning slightly back to Casey. I gently flicked through the keys until I felt her lock click open. She crawled her way out as I saw her bloody foot. Her toes were gone entirely and the foot itself was starting to rot. She stretched quietly, noticing the hollow eyes up top and gasped loudly. I dropped down and clamped her mouth shut, looking at them with shaky cadence in my breath. I whispered as quietly as I could, Hollow eyes hurt. Don't make sound. She nodded, eyes wide. I walked to the two other cages to notice the students who went missing passed out. I grabbed the same key and unlocked the cages, hoping the hollow eyes wouldn't hear the sounds echo off the walls. I walked into each student, but both appeared to be completely lifeless. Eyes were unseeing, and no breath came from their lungs. I walked back to Casey and lifted her up in a makeshift carry position. We began to walk slowly across the crag-filled hall, and took care not to breathe too heavily. 
as the hollow eyes began to shake in their crypts above. Casey's foot had dried, so I didn't need to worry too much about patching it up at the moment. I saw the opening get closer with each step. Time seemed to move slowly into the night, dripping acidic like a woe-begotten ice cream in the dead heat of July. I was profusely sweating, with the additional weight and the possibility of becoming another casualty to these creatures. My phone vibrated again in my pocket. Casey looked up at me with dread. I looked at my watch to see how much time we had left. 0259 stared back at me with a taunting look. Shit, I said louder than I needed to. Resin, what is it? I whispered quietly again. We ran out of time. What? She said quizzically. We still have four hours until the shift is over. She winced in pain. The clock turned to zero three hundred. You're going to have to trust me with this one. This one time, I said. Okay, she whispered back. I threw her into a fireman carry as my watch beeped. I closed my eyes and turned around. The mushrooms dimmed immediately as a wave of darkness ascended from the altar. The hollow eyes began to stir up above. The cages shook as well. I struggled with Casey as I hobbled to the door as quickly as I could. A scratching sound, like needlework, came from the new darkness of the room. Bent hands, ape-like and gray, came into the light nearest us. Palms facing upward and wrists started to crack as the creature came into view. It was the student who went missing from Beta House. Snarling and feral, with gray hands and pinpoint pupils, he was halfway through the transformation into a hollow eyes. It began to growl at me with its teeth, bearing into the mushroom light. The gray skin was pulled taunt, bones protruding visibly. Into the cavern, its newborn cry stirred its dead mother. Casey began to weep at the sound. I kept pushing on towards the door. I made it through the entryway, and I looked left and right when I looked back again towards the right. The wall had shifted slightly and two pinpoint pupils became visible. I turned to run as the hand swept Casey and I to the ground. Greetings one and all. From atop the Greymore Tower, my name is Dylan Derringer, and we have some updates from the last time I met you. Greymore officials are still searching for details about Casey. Please call the number on the inside of your door if you find Casey or have any info. Campo is always here for us, you know, and it's definitely something that you should utilize in your darkest hour. We have reports coming in from students in the South Dorm that there is a gas leak. Please do not break the fire safety guidelines this time and burn the candle. We do not need anything blowing up this night. If you experience a gas in your room, please call Campo or maintenance. Today's forecast seems to be a new breed of lightly cloudy. The moon is going to be at a waning crescent. Did you attend that army party when the moon was new? Oh, what a pleasure it was to hear about the adventures you had all gone through down there. I had the lovely Sophia dig, did a keg, uh, uh, I mean, a keg opening for the party. A swift vintage, heralding back to the early 19th century. Moon vibe, it's called. And boy, I can't taste the hype, but they can at the armies. Sorry, distractions. Finally, the cafe will be serving a blood pudding of various types, depending on what blood type you are. There's chick positive, pork negative, and beef neutral. 
A shot to the vein if I ever heard one. Be sure, students, to get ready for homecoming. It's going to happen here soon. Traditionally, we've always had it after the football season to keep everyone able to go. We think it's going to be in the dining hall. But the after party will be passed out at the ticket desk to add suspension. In closing, my name is Dylan Derringer from your hit campus station. We're always accepting admissions here at WGSO. Dylan signed off and I woke up. My face was against the cage and the blood hit my eyes. I sat up, chained to the room. I called out to Casey and she responded with a grunt. The hand tapped the edge of my cage and I pushed back into my cell. Well, well, you did a number on me, Resin. Stop this now, I called out, more afraid than confident. Resin, it said. You're going to need more energy than that to put out the darkness in here. The hollow eyes whimpered on the floor, adverting gazes from their masters. The newborn was sitting on the pedestal and whimpering as well. It's time I showed you how the human turns into a hollow eyes. Casey yelled out and began to kick with what she had left as the disconcerting sound of a large object against her head echoed into the cavern. The almost doctor began its spells and incantation, which echoed off the walls as the mushrooms began to glow again. From the mushrooms came wisps of smoke that ended up transmuting in their own right. I stared open mouth as the wisps began to form human-like figures. Native Americans stood alongside the hollow eyes, still as statues and looking towards the almost doctor, with his journal belonging to his grandfather. The spirits began to move in and around Casey, as did the hollow eyes. Great spirit ancestors, I wish to make a denizen of both the supernatural and the dense world. I bear the soul of the one to be transformed here on the altar of this land. Casey choked and coughed. Finally, she rolled onto her side and the little stone fell out of her throat. She slumped against the altar then, seeming to be lifeless like the previous individual's. I rammed against the cage, letting out a vicious cry into the hall. You piece of shit, give back the... I flew into the back of the wall and began to choke as well. The world began to swim as I gripped my throat. The almost doctor went to cut its hand for the final piece of the puzzle when a beam of light came from the inside of its chest. The light filled the room, and I passed out in my cell. I woke up inside a well-ordained room with pictures depicting Valhalla and games of some type. Swords and shields hung on the walls of the room, and I was clothed in a robe of white and felt the density of it in my hands. I was alive. I was safe. Walking into the hall, I realized immediately where I was. I descended the stairs as Thorne was laughing with Casey on the couch her blonde hair resting to the right of her face, transfixed and laughing at Thorn. Shut up, she said playfully. You just like, I remember. I flopped on the couch next to Thorn. The room immediately changed tones. So where's Locke? 
He's uh, been asleep since he pulled you two out of the mines. He said definitely. He got up then to put on a Jimmy Buffett record on the ancient turntable. Casey tucked her bandaged foot into the small of the couch. Wait, wait, what time is it? Do you know how hard it is to play a bullheaded Irishman like yourself? I turned to see Locklear with an ice pick on his head. Wait, what did you two do? Let's just say that Casey was easier to clean up than you. So we improvised. I stared at them both as they tucked into a plate of breakfast. I found out that as I passed out, Locke had burned the original copy of the journal, having swapped out the old copy for the real one, meaning the almost doctor had used his. He had followed me back to Nightshade Hall to make sure that I didn't die. When he burned it, the monsters caught flame and descended into the ground in a puff of vapor. So wait, he's gone? I said in absolute surprise. No bullshit? He's as gone as I think he'll ever be, said Thorne. We brought you both back here once I could get a hold of Locke. You clocked out two hours ago, and Tom shook your hand. You disguised yourself as me? Yes, said Locke, rubbing his head vigorously. Your dad never explained the adventure to the sorority willow, did he? Thorne laughed. I blushed. My, my dad was a human, okay? So anything wonky came from you goons. Thorne laughed. Our dads had a hell of a good time that night, disguising themselves to get past the matrons and the RAs. Locke added, They got the most tail that night. I huffed. Damn it, Dad. Casey put her head on Thorne's arm and sighed. I'm going to have to talk to Rich. I checked my watch and got up to leave. Wait! Thorne called. It's Sunday! You need to stay and take part in our patronage. I checked my phone and noticed a few missed calls from Amy. I, 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 I gotta go. Thorne threw me a bag. Clothes, brother. I unzipped it and saw the note Casey left in there. I looked at her, holding my breath. You, you know those locks were ours, dude. She said, with her head still on Thorne's shoulder, staring at the wall. Yeah. I know. Thorne and Locke looked at us both, meaning someone from our department has been down in the mines to seal the students. Casey looked at me then with a snap. Well, it definitely wasn't me. Me either. I'd have to be pretty sadistic to fake my own accident. Casey looked at me and sighed. Resin, we have a wolf in sheep's clothing in our office. written, produced, and directed by Joseph Byers. It is powered by Pinecast.com. So if you want to start a podcast, you should go to Pinecast.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. For Facebook, it's at Graymore, and for Twitter, it's at Graymore Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Please share, like, talk about the show on the page, and get more people involved. And as always... I'm Joseph Byers, and we'll see you next time.